BeastNet is brought to you by James Safety Services in partnership with OCR Bunny and OCR Strong. Here we discuss all things OCR and fitness related. Welcome to BeastNet. You, you did OCR Worlds this weekend and all sorts yeah. of stuff. We have a lot of stuff. I see you're even wearing the jacket. So, Oh, I'm like all decked out and everything OCR Worlds. I didn't even realize it. I'm going to have like the finisher shirt. I had the sweatshirt. I had the sunglasses. I'm not wearing my bands right now, but I haven't decided if that's going to be a thing this year. I'm like, good. Just keeping them on the medals now. I, I don't know. I mean, it's just seeing what you did, which by the way, anyone who's like listening, because I'm sure it's already started. This is Megan. If you haven't figured it out yet, um, I'm horrible <laughs> about introducing because we just get in and we start talking. So, oh yeah. So we, talk- it's just easy for us. We just go and, you know, say, Hey, how's it going? <laughs> It is. I mean, we, you know, when we follow both each other on Facebook, so we see what's coming up and it's like, I see your post and I'm like, I want to talk about that. Yeah. So tell us, tell us about OCR Worlds. OCR Worlds is the best event of the year. I mean, I love Indian Mud Run. Indian Mud Run is an incredible event. So well run, but it's not the same kind of atmosphere because OCR Worlds, at least when it's in Stratton, when it was in Blue Mountain, it had this strong community feel because everybody is staying in the village. Mm-hmm. So no matter where you're walking in, you're seeing somebody that you know everywhere. And, you know, to the, this time around, I literally walked into the place that we were staying at. I found um, some randoms on the OCRWC athlete group who had space in their house. And I always find whatever house I stay in, there's drama. Like, I'm not going to stay with people I know. I don't want drama. So Mm -hmm. I found randoms and we walked into the house and I'm walking around and I'm like, I know I stayed in this building before, but I think it was up a level and okay. Yeah, I I was definitely in this building. I'm walking around. This kind of looks familiar. I go to enter the Wi-Fi data and I'm like, I'm already connected to the Wi-Fi and it turns out it was a place that I stayed in in like 2018. <laughs> so um, I haven't changed the password though. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, it, you're just, there are so many different places to stay. And of all the places I stayed in a place that I had already stayed at with a completely different group of people of all that. So then, yeah, there's just everybody everywhere you turn it's incredible. I absolutely love it. Um, it is the best social weekend of the year and it is the best race weekend of the year, but it is absolutely brutal. So what it looks like. Yeah, they really outdid themselves this year. I came off of the three K and I found Sid and Aaron and I said, that was the hardest three K I've ever ran. They added, they put in some of the hardest obstacles of the race for the year. And then they had them like back to back to back. And then this horrible climb right in the middle. And nobody wants to climb like 400, 500 feet during a 3K. So we had to go up. We went across a couple obstacles. We came right back down and we finished off in a gnarly gauntlet of obstacles. And then the 15K. It was never ending climbs. And when they did have rigs, they would pack them back to back to back. At one point they had the low rig 
into their 2014 rig. And the low rig was probably the hardest low rig I've ever seen. I had to like figure four the entire thing across. And then I got to the 2014 rig and I'm like, this rig doesn't even look hard. I got on and my forearms were just so blown out from having to figure four that low rig that, you know, I, I got through on the first try, but I definitely took my time, like rested my arms when I could. And I got off of the 2014 rig and there was another woman coming off at the same time as me. And she's like, wow, I'm gassed. I'm like, my arms are pumped out. If they had another thing in this section, I would be stuck here for a long time. But yeah. luckily it was right before their horrendous death march up to the top of the mountain. So by the time I actually got back down to another rig, I was fine. Which I mean is, I mean, honestly, it sounds like great planning on their part. Cause it's like, you know, they give 100%. you that looks totally easy, but it looks easy, but we just smoked your forearms and we know we just smoked your forearms. So good luck. It was the best race planning I've ever seen. And I talked to a couple of the guys, like the build OCR, I forget what they call themselves at this point, but Sid and Aaron, David, all of them, you know, battle of the lions, race ready obstacles. I talked to a couple of them about it and I was joking around and I'm like, whoever thought it was a good idea to, you know, zigzag us up and back down the mountain. Yeah, I hate you. And they're laughing and they're like, well, championship race requires championship elevation gain and yeah. championship obstacles. And I'm like, no, I completely agree. I was one of the 20 something percent of females who kept their band on the 15 K. I kept my band across all three races and it, it was a fight. I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to do it, but it, it was so much fun. So hard. My legs are smoked. I couldn't have asked for a, better organized course that's awesome i mean i i wish i mean that was one of the things that you know on a lot of the courses i've done where i'm completely smoked afterwards that's where you're like i hate this you suck and then you're done with it and you're like but i want to do it again yeah and it definitely felt like killington vibes i um especially with the zigzagging up and down and up and down and all of the climbing but it was definitely like the Killington feel of, oh, but I want to do it again. I want to do it again. I want to do it again. Until after the team race and your forearms are so blown out, you can't open your hands and you're like, nope, not going out on the charity. Nope, don't make me climb anymore. I climbed up to Valkyrie to like go talk to somebody. And I'm like climbing up that little bit of the mountain screaming, I hate you. Why are you making me do this? And then we're just watching everybody cut the climb, go straight across from like force five rig to Valkyrie. And he's like, guys, like you got to go up the mountain. You got to come back down. They're like, nope, nope. We're just taking a hard right at everything. We're just doing a nice circle. We're not, we're not going up. Right. People were just like making their own course on the charity race. So like, I was surprised to see anybody climb at all at that point. Cause like, on the 15k we got close to 4000 feet of elevation in 10 miles that's impressive you know that that's it really, hurt yeah it really hurt like the climb we did on the 3k we had to do that four times on the 15k and then you also had to march up to the top of the mountain and back down that that sounds horrible but at the same time it's like you 
if it was something that we really didn't want to do, we wouldn't be signing back up for it every year. You know, and that's one of the things. And OCR World is one that's on my bucket list. I want that one. I want to go there. But I, I would definitely put it on your list for next year. I've heard some mumblings from some of my insider sources that I'm not going to reveal yet because I apparently posted a video I wasn't supposed to post <laughs> during oh, in trouble the here. weekend and I don't want to get in trouble anymore from any of those guys, but <laughs> um, I'm not going to reveal what they told me and there's nothing set in stone, but if I, w- I would say definitely try to make it out next year. I'm going to have to look at that one. I definitely have to look at where that is. And is it always this time of year, every year? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to have to look into that one. So especially if I'm, you know, if everything goes right and I'm living closer to that. So, which would be good. So that's just awesome. It does. And I mean, it's one of those things I'm going to have to work on my upper body strength. Um, I mean, I like, I did Tough Mudder this weekend and I was so mad at myself, like, but I, I'm having a shoulder issue from the weekend before, but I almost which I should have, but I almost made Funky Monkey, but I missed. I, I lost my momentum partway through, like right on the last one, and I couldn't reach for the last reach, and I fell in the water. But oh, yikes! I'm sorry to hear that. It's okay. I mean, but it's the water. So I mean, and, and I'll be honest. And the the tough mutter. This was just fun. Yeah. Just well, fun. that's all tough mutter is at this point, unless you're going for you know the Holy Grail or yeah. World's Toughest Mutter or whatever else, like. You're not going to be racing Tough Mudder competitively. You're not getting timed. Just go out and have fun and play on some obstacles and get a little dirty. And we did pretty much what you did. We, we did the infinite, which is, you know, you do, you know, eight hours yeah. and as many obstacles as, you, as many times around as you can get. We do the 15K first, then we did the 5K right after. And then on the 5K, my buddy Brian, who I do a lot of this stuff with, he rolled his ankle and bad like bad oh and we were like well let's go for another 5k and we got a little bit out there and he's like no i can't he's like my ankle there's no way because there's a big part that we had to go through a trail on the back side of the 5k and he's like but all the obstacles are in one big group right here Mm -hmm. i'm like but there's nothing that says we can't just go play right we already did the point day. i mean because you had to do a 15 and a five and that's the minimum you had to do to earn the medal and everything else i'm like we've done that already so if your ankle's that messed up, but we don't let's go, let's go jump in Arctic Anima. Let's go, you know, go down the slide in Arctic Anima. Let's go try Funky Monkey again. Let's go do this. And that was the other thing. My arms were already smoked because when I almost made it cross was like, I'd already gone through like a 15K and a 5K. So, you know, and it's like, let's go play on them. And that was kind of what I ended up doing on the last one. I'm like, I'm just going to go play. I'm done. I just, you know, this was pretty much besides Dallas in a month. This is it for my season. I'm done. Right, right. So now it's just training for, you know, next year. So now I can hope, you know, back off a little bit on some of the stuff, start doing the more overall training, you know, stop training so hard. I mean, I'm not going to stop training, you know, for the bike and the run and the swim and everything else for, for triathlons, but I can back up a little bit because I don't have a big triathlon for a long time. So I can start focusing on some of the core stuff, getting more core strength and more, you know, stuff like that. That's going to help me with that stuff anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's going to be the big key because, you know, I mean, most people are follow my Facebook. No, Iron Man didn't go like it was supposed to, but that was, that was stupid. So <laughs> which, can I ask what happened? You can, you can, and I'll explain it because I really haven't said anything on Facebook or anything like that. I mean, I'll tell pretty much people, if you want to know what happened, listen to this. It is just promise not to laugh at me. Um, it is the stupidest thing. And I'm so mad at myself for it. Um, I sent you a thing and what I sent you was that was supposed to be the five yep. mile 
every five miles what the breakdown was and you can see up to like mile 20 mm -hmm. averaging between 17 to 19 miles an hour so i was cruising i was doing great yeah yep. i was on pace i hit mile 22 was the biggest hill and when i hit the hill about a quarter of the way up the hill i shifted down because i needed to shift because I, I was too in too high of a gear and i needed to drop down when i shifted down i shifted too late and i basically just lost all momentum and the bike stopped oh no well i have clips yeah and i didn't get my foot popped quick enough so i just i went down and i went down hard and when i hit um there's a dent on my on my helmet i hit my i hit my helmet so hard i dented it um i hit my left shoulder like I'm pretty sure it's, I don't know if I've gotten it completely back in the socket. I'm still having issues with that shoulder now. Um, I hit my left knee. I moved this. I mean, I bent, uh, like twisted the seat at full 90 degrees. I hit hard. The guy behind me is like, I can't believe you actually even stood up after that, you know? And I'm like, no, I'm fine. Whatever, you know, push the bike up the hill, which that's why all of a sudden you see like mile 20 to 25. My average speed was like eight. Wow. Got the bike up to the top of the hill was able to get my my allen wrenches out adjusted as much as i could to try and get the bike back to where it should have been um, or so i thought and then i would go it just didn't feel right nothing yeah. felt like i'm like something's not right something's not working so i had to stop a couple more times and i i had my phone with me so anyone who knows an iron man i'm not supposed to have my phone with me they get really mad about that but i have my phone because it has the gps it's what you know people yeah. can call me with it wasn't in my hand i'm not using it it was in i have a little that i call it my glove box on the bike it was in the glove box okay so amber was watching and she could see like when i was stopping and she'd see me go and then all of a sudden i would stop for like four or five minutes and then go and then stop again and that was me trying to adjust the bike because i could feel there was a problem you know you ride the bike enough you know when it's not right and i just couldn't dial it back to where i needed it to be no matter how many times i adjusted it I ended up finishing. I got the full 56 miles, but when I finished, I was six minutes. I missed the cut by six minutes. So because of all that stopping and messing with the bike and I figured out what the problem was and why I felt like I didn't feel right. Um, when I got home and got the bike up on the rack and I spun the back tire, I bent the, uh, the brake pad or the brakes on the back. Oh, so okay. one of the brake pads on the back was actually pushing up against the tire. So for 30 miles, I was dragging that back tire basically. Oh, yikes. So, so sorry to hear that. And it's one of those things. It's like, you know, it, it, it sucks. It does. Um, but it's something I know to look for for next time. Yeah. Like I knew, I know how to fix it now. There was an, there's a lever actually, and I didn't even see it on the brakes until I was playing with it like a couple of days afterwards. Cause I really, after the race, I pretty much hung the bike up on the, the, the rack where it goes and left it there. I'm like, and just had, didn't really want to touch it. Didn't want to think about it. But then when I started looking at it, there's a spot I could have hit a lever on it that actually like opens them up. That would have opened up the brake enough that it would have stopped dragging. And I still would have been able to use it. Mm -hmm. So, and it was just, it's learning. I learned, yeah. um, I learned from it. Um, the swim, my, my biggest fear was the swim, hit the water, started having problems with my breathing, um, about a halfway through, which, I mean, I think I sent you the things for the swim too. You can see mm -hmm. like yeah. three, three minute, three thirty, or something like that on the swim. I pulled over to the side, held onto one of the kayaks you know, did this crazy meditation thing that someone keeps telling me to do. Uh, <laughs> sorry, and, not sorry. 
Uh, yeah, no, you, you shouldn't be. I got my breathing under control. And you can see after that, I dropped down to like 210, 211. All of a sudden, it was like my swim was just boom, on point. Awesome, so yeah. It comes down to what I, I we've talked about before. It wasn't really my physical wasn't what was keeping me from being able to do those. It's my mental. As mm -hmm. soon as I got the breathing under control, mentally calmed myself down. My swim was fine. Yeah. And on the bike, you know, if it hadn't been for that fall and hadn't been for me having to stop and keep adjusting the bike, I had it. I mean, I stopped for more than six minutes multiple times. Yeah. So if it wasn't for those stops, I had it. So it's just a matter of, you know, one, I'm pretty sure that lake is just cursed because all three triathlons that I failed have been in that same, same lake. Oh, yikes. So, so, and everyone's like, maybe you should pick a different one. I'm like, no, that means I need to do that one again. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, all of it's just awareness. It I is. mean, even coming down to the swim, you were more aware this time mm -hmm. and you knew what to do. And when you did it, it turned everything around. Now sure. you are more aware of stuff going on with your bike. So, you know, if you feel it, you can go and fix it and keep going. Mm-hmm. So yeah, trial and error, live and learn. And that's it. And I have this thing. And one of the things that I wanted to say, because a lot of people would get mad at me for this one, the the bags. I have my bags from both of Ironmans and I call them my failure bags. And I know that for a lot of people, that isn't the right thing. But in my brain, it works because mm -hmm. to me, I had a goal. I failed hitting that goal. That doesn't mean failure as in a negative, like I failed and I'm a failure. I'm a piece of blah, blah, blah. No, 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 no. That means I failed at hitting a goal. And that's my reminder of why I'm working so hard to make sure that I hit it next time, you know, and that's the way my brain sees things. It's not like, I don't know, to me, it's not a negative. It's a positive because I'm learning from it. If it was a failure and I'm like, I'm a failure. And I sat there on the couch and picked my nose and ate potato chips because of it, I would see it. But I mean, for me, it's just, I know it has a negative tone to it when you say it that way. But to me, it's just like, I didn't make my goal. This is my reminder that no matter how hard I work, sometimes something's going to happen and I need to learn from it. You know, and like you said, I know what, how to adjust the bike now. I know I need to, one of the things I know I need to do, I need to adjust my clips. And part of the problem I have is the pedals I have, I can't because someone stripped them. So I can't adjust the clip. So I'm either going to have to figure out how to adjust those ones or buy new pedals so yeah. that I can get my feet out of the clips because that was my problem. That's the second time I've actually fallen. And both times I've hit on my left shoulder. And that's why I think I'm having problems with my left shoulder right now is because both times I've hit that shoulder, you know, and it's just a matter of knowing how to adjust my equipment, how to fix my equipment, knowing what tools I need to have with me, but not so many tools that I'm over. Like last year, I think part of my problem was I had too much. I had probably a bag with like 20 pounds worth of tools just in case. It's like, that's a little much. Now I've got it and it's a bag like yay big, you know, that sits behind my seat that maybe weighs like two pounds. Mm -hmm. You know, it has everything that I should be able to fix. If I blow a tire or whatever, or any problem on the bike, I should be able to fix all of it with that little tool. It's just a matter of getting to know the bike to know what I need to adjust. And the big problem was I didn't know to adjust that back brake and I didn't see it. And I think if I would have thought about it and picked up the bike and spun the tire, I would have seen it, mm. but I just never thought of like that never really occurred to me. So, and it's just something, you know, you learn from. Definitely. And that's the hard part. It's frustrating though. I will be honest. Like for the first two or three days, I really was just mad. <laughs> but that's out of your control at that point. Like you, you just haven't had the experience with 
bike mechanics yet. So, you know, things happened and your bike was messed up. You didn't know how to fix it at that point. What were you supposed to do? I know, but it's just, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, you still get frustrated when you don't quite hit your goal. So it's just kind of, but then it's like, you, you, you know, talking to you and like stepping back for a second. It's like, okay, like you just said, this is what happened. There were extenuating circumstances out of my control that I wasn't able to do. And I think, like I said, if I completely considered it a failure and just walked away from it, that would be one thing, but I'm like, okay, here's everything that went right. And that's what I really started helping me like two days later was I started, here's everything that went right. Here's everything that went wrong. Now, what can I do to make sure that everything that went wrong doesn't happen again? Or if it does, how can I make that wrong go into the right column? Yeah. And I mean, that goes down to what we say whenever we talk about ultra planning or whatever else, like try to find everything that possibly could derail you and have a strategy to figure out how to get past it. You're still newer to the triathlon scene. How are you supposed to know that you need to check, you know, if the brakes are bent after your bike comes to a dead stop on a downhill and you can't get your feet out of your clips? That's a pretty unique situation that isn't going to happen all the time. It's like, so at OCRWC this weekend, um, do you know the OCR Nation guys, the photographers? I've seen them, but I, I don't know them personally, but I've seen a lot in the, some stuff that they've done. Yeah. Yeah. So one of their guys was out on course racing the 15 K and they're one of the final obstacles is ricochet. And I've talked to the build guys about ricochet before this and after this, and you know, that they will admit that some of the things weren't completely right. There were instances that they wanted to lower the bell, but they couldn't lower the bell because they didn't have long enough straps, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. There, there was a bunch of stuff. So with Ricochet, you bounce off the walls to uh, into the rings. Mm-hmm. So the rings are diagonal and you need the wall to switch directions onto the rings. Okay. So you swing out in a diagonal, hit the wall, bounce off the wall to change directions into a zigzag, get to the next wall, and then the ring coming off the second wall is a very far reach so it's like either you bounce off that wall and can reach for it or you have to reach for it and you can't bounce off the wall at least when you're a short person like me otherwise there are some people that actually are long enough to reach and bounce but that's not me then the bell was so incredibly high that you really need a solid momentum swing to reach it or you needed to really be able to pull up this was at the end of the 15k it's the end of all the races but after 15k 40 obstacles your grip is blown out it's really hard not to mention the scaffolding they had it has these little discs that they were able to screw to hold together the bell as you're coming into the zigzag you are heading towards the scaffolding The bell is not too far off of the scaffolding. So if you're coming in with a solid momentum, you're most likely going to hit the scaffolding. If you ring the bell, there's a good chance that, you know, you still slam into the scaffolding, whatever else. You're coming Mm -hmm. in at a diagonal. So the guy from OCR Nation was coming in. He had his band. He went to reach up to hit the bell and he just missed the bell, slammed into the scaffolding. And at the bottom of the scaffolding, there was this like peg that holds part of the scaffolding together. And it went straight into his leg, 
like to the bone oh. and just gashed his leg. He couldn't put any weight on it and he missed the bell. So he couldn't actually go and retry because he needed his legs to bounce off and like he's bleeding out. Oh, there was a lot of carnage at Ricochet. I know somebody who tore up their hands so bad they had to close the lane to clean up the blood. But I digress. Um, that's something you can't plan for. How are you supposed to ever logically think through, well, if I wreck my leg so bad to the point that I have a screw into my leg to the bone, how am I supposed to keep my band? What can I do to get through that? That's just something you can't plan for. No, not at all. So you sitting here and kicking yourself because you had a freak bike mechanical issue, that's something out of your control. I know. I know it is. It's okay. just, you know. I know. You're going to beat yourself up. You're going to be disappointed, but it's fuel for next year. It is. And that's just what I got. I, I need to remember that, you know, hey, it didn't quite go the way I planned, did not quite go the way I wanted. But that doesn't mean that, you know, doesn't mean you stop. That means you do exactly like you said, you you look at it and say, okay, there was this freak accident. How do I make sure one, it doesn't happen again, which I know I need to adjust my clips so my feet come out faster. You know, which they are, they are st stiff. They they are stiff, and I've just never fixed them because one, I really like the pedals, and they're like one hundred and fifty dollars to replace. And oh, yikes! I've already spent a lot of money on that. Yeah, um, yeah, and yeah. it seems like you keep having some issues with the bike. <laughs> well, and it's one of those things because it is one of those it is used. So, and everything else on it is fine. I mean, I'm like seven hundred dollars into the bike, but I mean, if I bought it brand new, it would have been a thirty five hundred dollar bike. Ooh, no, thanks. Um, so I'm still like well below what I would, but I mean, it's replacing mm -hmm. the wearable parts, the parts that wear out. I've had to replace the tires and the rims and had a whole bunch of work done to like the brakes and, you know, the, the, the shifters and all that stuff. And so, I mean, it's all stuff that you have to replace eventually anyway. So it's stuff, mm -hmm. you know, maintenance, but that was one of the things was the pedals. I like those pedals and they work really well. But like I said, the, the, someone stripped the Allen bolts. So the only way to, there's no way to adjust it without, you know, pretty much replacing the, the pedals and, but I may just have to get new pedals and deal with it. So, and just so I can get, cause I have my exercise bike downstairs, my spin bike, I have pedals on it that have clips and I can pop right out of those with no problem because I can adjust them. Yeah. What I need to do. And I've just been stubborn and that's my own fault. I kind of knew that there was a problem with them, that they stuck and I should have known better, but I just I've been able haven't had a problem yet. I've been able to pop out of them when I needed to quick enough. And this time I just didn't. So, mm -hmm. You know, and I didn't. And that was kind of if I had adjusted them. So once again, it's one of those things, live and learn. You know, you know, yeah. I can beat myself up for not doing it when I knew I should have, but I thought that they were okay. I thought I could deal with it. But the other thing you run into is once your legs get tired. So it was like one of those things because my knee was already bothering bothering me and I decided to keep going anyway about mile and it's 56 miles. So I did yeah. it 22 and then still had another 30 something to go about mile 47 because I was using my right leg a lot more than my left because my left was bothering me and my right leg just started cramping. Oh. Like, I mean, a cramp ran through my right leg from like pretty much hip to ankle. Just, Yikes. and I was lucky. I clipped, I clipped my left leg and was able to lean over 
kind of get off the bike, move the leg, kind of move it around in a different, you know, way to make it feel better. But then after that, one of the things I like about my pedals, I was able to flip them over and I can use them as normal pedals without the clips. So for the last 10 miles, I just didn't even use the clips because I'm like, I need to get, I need to be able to move if that right leg tries to cramp like that again. And it was like, I've never felt cramp like that. I'm like, Oh, that was not good. But you know, like I said, once you have an injury, you start going a different way. So, and that's one of the other things I'm not sure. Like I said, I was six minutes away from being able to even run. Um, but with the way my knee was feeling afterwards, I'm not sure I would have been able to. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, stupid me the next day, because I was frustrated and get out of my own brain, I went and ran seven miles, but whatever. But <laughs> I was going to say, you know, maybe that was a blessing in disguise that your bike nope. decided it was not going to function properly. Because if your knee was bothering you and you still had the run left, yeah, that wouldn't have turned out very well for you. Probably and, not. And yeah, you know me. Yeah. At the end of the day, a bike you can fix. Yeah. You ultimately came out relatively healthy. So yeah. and the knee feels better. There's gonna be more triathlons in your future. Yeah, there is. So and pretty much what I did once I came home and my knee, I knew my knee was bad. I you know, pretty much smothered it in C B oil or C B D lotion, which is like what I do, and put some, you know, a wrap on it. And by pretty much by Tuesday, I wasn't limping. So mm-hmm. and then I've done since Tuesday, like 45 miles running, but, um, that's so much part of that was, I mean, I did do the tough modern infinity. I mean, that was right. So, I mean, there was, I think what, almost 18 miles there. So the rest of it's just been, but that's part of my problem. I run into when I'm frustrated, how I get out of my brain is running. That's my meditation per se, besides when I actually sit down and meditate, like someone keeps telling me I need to, but <laughs> we need to find you other coping strategies. Probably. Probably. But yeah, one of my, one of my one main coping strategy when I'm frustrated, when I'm annoyed, whatever I go. And I mean, most time it's treadmill. I'll just, if I'm not outside, I'll go outside sometimes, but lately it's been pretty much, I go and put on whatever show I want to watch, put it on my iPad, stuff it on the treadmill and just turn it on and go crank it up to six and a half and just go for like an hour yeah we, we need to change some things about your training yeah so well and that's the one thing i'm ho- like for me in my brain i'm thinking now okay pretty much besides dallas which i'm supposed to do i was going to do the ultra in dallas but my one partner that i was supposed to do the ultra with has backed out because he has an, an ankle injury and I think he's just going to do the beast. So I may back and I I'm signed up for the beast and I've never upgraded to the ultra. So I'm thinking, I mean, with everything else that's happened to me over this year, you know, body wise, everything else, I think it might be a better choice for me to do the beast and not mm-hmm. the ultra and then start focusing over the winter of, like I was saying before, more core, more, you know, muscle, yeah. Along with the cardio, which is what I was supposed to be doing this whole year. But then I got focused on the triathlons and focused on the swim, bike, run, and not focusing on everything else that goes with it, which even though in my brain, I know as well as you're going to tell me, if I build the core, I do build the muscle, it's going to help with the other ones as well. 100%. It's all injury prevention. You have to start with the injury prevention baseline. And then everything you do from there is going to continue to prevent injuries but also strengthen the body overall. Yeah. And I mean, if I'm still going to do OCR, because that's one of the other problems I ran into, it's like I noticed like Funky Monkey when I was doing that at Tough Modern, I said I almost made it. If this was last year, 
before I was focusing so hard on that, you know, that Ironmans and everything else, I would have had the grip strength and I would have had everything else to totally do it with no problem. Yeah. I would have been totally fine. I would have had it. But this year, I mean, just I don't have the grip strength that I've had in the past. And part of that's been because I focused so hard on a different area. And that's one reason why I say I think I need to start working more on the lifting, building the muscle and the muscle, you know, the muscle, the injury prevention. I mean, I'm not getting any younger. <laughs> Takes me a lot longer to come back from an injury. So if I can prevent them, that's the best thing ever. I mean, as a safety guy, I should be all about prevention, but. Like <laughs> do as I say, not as I do. Pretty much like I tell everyone, those who can do, those who can't teach. So that's why I teach safety. So <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> not always well, that good at it. So when you go into your season, or like now that you're approaching the off season, are you gonna sit down and actually lay out your full season for next year? I haven't in the past, but this year I think I'm going to, I need to, um, part of the problem I'm going to run into though, is a lot of it really depends on if the move happens or not. I mean, right now I'm planning everything as if the move is happening. So, and then I will be in, you know, Texas by March. Yeah. You'll be at like all the battle of the lions events. You'll be at all the savages. Um, and that's what I kind of, kind of look at it. Cause I think it's going to end up being that my schedule is going to open up and become a lot more races. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're going to be back in the OCR scene completely. And you're like, well, I have to go to OCRWC now. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I'm definitely. So that's what I've looked at too. And I mean, I've already looked like, you know, if I'm in Texas, I mean, like Ironman, there's four of them in Texas, mm-hmm. you know, you know, Savage, all these races that we don't see up here in the Pacific Northwest. And that's why everyone always asks it, like, why do you do so hard and push so hard for like four months? I'm like, cause that's my entire season. Yeah. You know, it's like when I finished the Ironman last weekend, there's not another triathlon in Washington until June. Mm-hmm. So you have June, July, August, and September. And after pretty much Ironman, like, you know, the middle of September, that's the last triathlon in Washington. There's not another one. You can't find another one in Washington until June. Wow. So, I mean, it's just like, there's a reason why like you see a lot of Pacific Northwest racers. We push so hard for like four months and it's race after race after race. And we're just jamming them all in there because we have a pretty much a window of like, you know, for me, I get March, but that's because I leave every year. I travel, I go to, it's been Vegas or like this year it was San Antonio. That's how I get my first race in March. The next one we get is, you know, May we can go to, you know, Montana. But other than that, if you're doing OCRs, you're traveling all year long or the ones that are here, you get the small ones here from pretty much June to August. Mm-hmm. And then after that Spartans here in September and then we're done, yeah. you know, and that's where we push why a lot of us push so hard for like, but then we come out of it. Like for me, I came out of it like, you know, today after tough mutter yesterday and everything. And yesterday was just volunteering. I didn't actually race, but the day before I did and my body's wrecked, you know, my shoulder, my left shoulder is, something's not right you know so i've got to try and figure out if i'm going to be able to work that out and figure out you know what's going on with that my left knee is it's better it's doing good but there's still a twinge every once in a while so it's not something i want to push too hard right now you know and that's kind of thing so then it's like you know usually you come out of september and your body's so wrecked that you want to like relax for at least a month or two mm-hmm. but then the problem is you have to try and make sure that and that's what i'm trying to make sure i do is i don't relax too far and that's where I think, you know, I've, I've made mistakes in the past is where all of a sudden, oh, racing is over. 
time to sit on the couch and eat some potato chips and ding dongs, you know, and then all of a sudden race season comes back around and I'm all roly poly and can't freaking do anything. because I've become fat again. So, <laughs> and that's kind of the thing I've got to make sure that I'm still doing the off season. I'm still training and being ready for it. It's just different training. Cause most time we can't go outside or we can, but you're going to go outside and play in the rain and snow and everything else. That's kind of why I built the gym in the garage. Mm-hmm. So that downtime after your season, it's very important, but like coming off of a major race, you still need to like deload and really recover and bring yourself down instead of just go straight into an off season. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I know I've seen with clients that they finish the Killington Ultra and they're like, okay, well, finish the Killington Ultra. I'm good to go. I'm like, no, I'm going to program out at least one week of recovery for you. Because if you don't recover properly, you're going to go into this off season with a lot of issues. Mm -hmm. And then you're not going to focus on correcting these. And then you're going to start training again for whatever comes next. And there's going to be escalating problems throughout. And it's all because, you know, you did something at the big race and you just didn't know how to come down from it. Yeah. But I had a conversation with a client today. And I've had this conversation with her numerous times this year. I asked my clients to start the season. Okay, what are your races? Can you lay out your races for me? ABC races. When are they? What are your goals for them? I need to know them in advance so we can plan out what we're going to do, when we're going to do it. She told me two weeks before Killington, she was going to run Killington. <laughs> she also at that time told me she was going to run the Jersey trifecta weekend. And I'm like, we haven't been training for back-to-back days on a race weekend. Yeah. So now we have to like kick it into gear for that. And she's like, well, can I just do back-to-back days at Killington to train for it? I'm like, no, because <laughs> Killington is going to completely wreck you. And then you're going to try and go back out for day two and you're going to injure yourself Yeah. or you're going to have so much damage that it's going to set you back so much greater. And then you have to turn around and go run Jersey. And then she's like, okay, well, after Jersey, I have an ultra two, three weeks later. I'm like, okay, what is your goal for this ultra? Because right now we haven't been training you for an ultra. Oh, well, you know, I'd really like to do hundred K. I'm like, yeah, we're not there yet. We're not training you for that right now. I'm like, I needed to know this months ago. Yeah. So we can like be preparing you for this. And then she's like, okay, awesome. Um, well, we'll just see. And like, I can run them two days on the weekends. That's fine. And then we were talking today and she's like, yeah, so I have Fenway two weeks after the ultra. And then I have the Disney marathon in January. So I'll probably just take a break after Fenway for a couple of weeks to recover. And then I'll run the Disney marathon in January. I'm like, what are you talking about? You need marathon training. You're coming from trails to a road race for a marathon. You can't be taking two, three weeks off with less than six weeks before a marathon. No, we're going to be tapering you for at least two weeks. That's going to give you only four weeks. Like, so then we have to look at Fenway one. Why are you running Fenway? Oh, well, because we live in Boston. It's our home course. It's the first race I ever ran. I love Fenway. I'm like, I love Fenway too. But what is your goal for Fenway? Well, I'm just, you know, I usually get like two, three laps on the weekend. I said, you're going to need to do at least probably like three laps 
on Saturday, one to two laps on Sunday. Like, cause we're going to be going, trying to bring you down from an ultra to then put you right back into a marathon training. It's so much on the body. It's like, mm-hmm. I feel blindsided because when I'm sitting here saying, what's your next race? What's your next race? What's your next race? She's giving it to me on the fly and not letting us actually program it out and not setting specific purposes. It's like, what do you want to do with this race? What do you want to do with this race? What do we want to do with this race? How are we going to train for it? And what is race C going to do to help with race A? There comes a time that it's like, if your A race is the Disney marathon, running a trail ultra for 24 to 30 hours is not necessarily going to help you. Yeah, it's going to be great base building, but you're not going to fuel the same way for an ultra that you would for a marathon. You're not getting the same pavement pounding that you would for a marathon that you're getting at the, you know, as the ultra. And then, you know, you're just not getting the same kind of strategizing on an ultra that you need for a marathon. You can be very slow and just, you know, have fun, take your time on the ultra. You're in a marathon. You just want to go point A to point B, be done with it. So we need to really talk about how these races are fitting into our schedules. I had the conversation with, I think, Sid, David, one of them, again, because they were the build guys at OCRWC. They had the canceled race in Oklahoma City. And I was like joking around with them, not letting them forget that they canceled this race on me two days before. And I'm like, yeah, so you guys canceled that race. I guess I have to plan for another one. They're like, well, just come out to Dallas in two weeks. I'm like, yeah, but guys, if I'm going to run races that are mandatory obstacle completion and very grip heavy, I want to have them as a buildup to OCRWC. Mm -hmm. I'm now recovering from OCRWC. I love the races that are still going on, but I don't need them to work towards my A race. My A race was at OCRWC at this point. I don't need that same kind of extreme grip intensive work for whatever I decide to do for the rest of my season, which is most likely as long as I can afford a plane ticket, it's going to be Fenway. And then I'm probably going to run the Carolina ultra. So I want to ramp up my mileage right now. I don't need to really work on my obstacle game because Spartan obstacles aren't really much of anything. So I'm going to prioritize my ultra running, my fueling strategies, my race planning, and I'm just going to go and I'm on a crush Carolina ultra. I don't need to go down to Dallas and run some crazy rigs and then go into my off season and, you know, lose a little bit of muscle memory, train and whatever else to come back and be like, hey, I haven't seen these in forever. I saw them last year, but there was no reason to see them this year when it wasn't building into what I really wanted to do. And that's what I think a lot of these race brands still aren't understanding is like, what is the purpose of having this race here? Like, I think we talked about it last time, like Spartan, they had set up their hierarchy. You go sprint to super to beast. So typically you want somebody to run a sprint before you run a super, run the super before you run the beast, run the beast before you run the ultra. And you want them to build into that. So we had said, you know, the new England sprint and super is a joke race for anybody 
who is preparing for Killington because that's not building you up to Killington. It's like, you know, two extremes and in no way is one going to help with the other. So with a race season, if you have OCRWC in September, you should have all of the harder mandatory obstacle completion races that are going to get you to your OCRWC peak leading up to it. So I'm going to put a race in April. I'm going to put a race in May. I'm going to put a race in June, one to two in July, one to two in August, and then I'm going to taper and I'm going to go run OCRWC. That's how I want my race schedule to look like. That's how I tell race directors my race schedule is going to look like. That's what makes the most sense to me. We're building a race season. So with clients and everything else, I want them to look at that A race and think, this is your end game on the year. This is the big one you want to do. Yeah, you can still have some fun runs. You can go throw in a tough mutter if, you know, all of the work is out of the way and you just want to go have fun and do like a victory lap. But think build to the A race. Mm-hmm. And after your A race, you want to recover and give enough time between your downtime, your recovery to then start building back up to get your season rolling again. This yeah. year, I didn't have the same kind of training I did leading up to OCRWC. My running, my climbing was absolutely terrible. My obstacle game, I felt like it could have been way stronger. And it's just, I didn't have the means to train as well coming out of New Zealand. You know, I wasn't working at the gym I used to work at. I wasn't at the obstacle gym. I was still trying to figure out where I was going to set up my equipment, whatever else. So I just didn't do as much obstacle training as I would have liked to. My strength training wasn't where I wanted it to be. I'm shocked I kept my band on all three races because it could have been much stronger. But I had the muscle memory from previous year's builds. So now I want to take the base that I have now, go recover a little bit, and then build up even greater. Because I know next year, they're going to take that bar that they set this year where everybody's like, this is so tough. And they're going to be like, oh, we're going to push it a little bit higher. This is what it should be. Exactly. So I, again, plead to all the race directors, please, please, please set up your schedule so we can build to OCRWC. Let's build this like a sport with a legitimate schedule and not just have a race here and there because... You have nothing going on that weekend. Yeah. And that's one of the things, and I'll be honest. I mean, I am, you, you know me, you've, we've been talking quite a bit. That is pretty much my issue is, hey, yeah, this sounds fun. Let's go do it. And oh, I know. Of- and that's why I brought it up today as well, because we've already kind of been hinting towards it. Mm-hmm. And like for you, now that you've attempted these triathlons and we've talked about it for months, how we can really train smarter, not harder. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, how can we set up your schedule to build to your next A race? I, you don't always need to go race on the weekends. Mm-hmm. If you do want to go race on a weekend, how does that race fit into that next bid race for you? And what is the A race? Yeah. And, and that's it. I mean, and that's my biggest problem. A lot of times I just randomly throw and decide things. Like I did Portland sprint which I wasn't supposed to, uh, but I did Portland sprint the day before the Ironman. So, which wasn't a great choice, but one Don needed me. He needed help. Mm -hmm. So, 
And it was one of those, I mean, you can, I, I, I'll be honest, I didn't do most, some of the obstacles. I'm like, I'm just here to help you get this adaptive athlete through and to get Nicole through. Other than that, that's the only reason I'm here. You know, it's not, I'm, I'm not here to compete. I'm not here. I'm just here to help Nicole. And, uh, but it was one of those, I knew he needed the help and I'm like, I can't leave him hanging. So I went and walked that one, which wasn't a great choice. Honestly, doing Seattle and Hawaii back to back, you know, a month before Ironman still, once again, not probably a great choice. And that's probably the thing like you're talking about. My schedule for the year was not set right. My schedule was just pretty much me doing what I normally do because of that four, four month window. I'm just jumping into every race I can get into because it sounds fun. You know, I did Sisu, I did Ragnar. I just jumped into every race I could, but none of the, they were all so different. Mm-hmm. You know, half the triathlons I did were last minute, like, Hey, I need another one because before Ironman, which do they help get me towards Ironman? Sure. But if I had done the training, which don't get me wrong. I do honestly think if I hadn't wrecked the bike, I could have, I could have finished that Ironman. I could have got it in time. Mm-hmm. But doing what I did with just randomly doing, you know, races on the weekend, does that really help me? It helps me deal with the anxiety. Yes. The anxiety of going into the swim, the anxiety of that. But what really helps me is like we've talked about before is the scheduled training, doing this training correctly, scheduling, like you said, for the races, you know, should I have done a, a, another triathlon, you know, only what, two, was it two weeks, two weeks before the Ironman? Probably not. They probably shouldn't have done one that so close. I should have been, you know, like tapering at that point, not mm-hmm. doing another, not doing another, you know, triathlon. So there's a lot of things there where, you know, my planning is not the best. And we've talked about this, not the best at all. So that's one thing I've really got to look forward into next year is, And I think that's one of the reasons why I've kind of, you know, didn't have the success this year that I have like the year before, because 2020, there were no races. Mm -hmm. I just ran and I did my thing. I ran, did my thing, did battle miles, you know, did a bunch of stuff where I was lifting heavy things, you know, doing running with a vest, doing other things, plus running, you know, and mixed around my training a lot. So once all of a sudden that, you know, races came along, I had built up some of that strength. I had built up some of that grip strength by doing other things and this year i really didn't it was no real schedule training no real rhyme or reason to what i was doing i was just randomly going swimming deciding to go on a bike ride today go for a run today do this do that and then basically you know a workout here and there but not really following a scheduled plan i have one downstairs that i'm supposed to be following but (laughs) but and I have it and I'll be back I'll be honest I'll get into it like two or three days and then my brain goes I've got a race coming up I need to get ready for this and that's what I kept thinking and right now with nothing really besides you know I've got like I said Dallas and what October 22nd somewhere around there that you know towards the end of October and the only other thing is I got to decide if I want to do my birthday run this year or not so Mm -hmm. which is just a stupid idea every time so you know don't do it I I don't know I probably I might I might not it's only been a two year like tradition now so because the birthday run you know what it is right I run my yeah yeah, yeah. you so, run your age which that's gonna be forty five miles so in the middle of the you second. don't need to do that so but that's it and that's kind of the thing is I think that's part of my problem has been I just randomly throw random challenges at myself because there's nothing else you know I'm not thinking of anything else and there's no structure to it so and that's something like me and Brian were talking about too because me and you have talked about this. I'm not getting the results I want because there's no structure to what I'm doing at mm-hmm. the moment. I'm just kind of doing what I think is best, 
you know, oh, this will help me, you know, become better. If I just go ride the bike a bunch, it's going to help me become better. But if I went and lifted weights, worked on my, my core, did all that kind of stuff, it would also help on the bike. You know, it's not just the riding the bike. It's not just the running. It's not just the swimming. There's so much like injury prevention and other parts of my body I need to be working to make sure that all that stuff works right. Ultimately, it comes down to planning. And I'm sure you say it at work all the time, like set goals, set objectives. And then you work back from there. Okay, this is the goal. What steps do we need to accomplish to get to this goal? Okay, Mm -hmm. here are, you know, smaller, some more mid-range goals. Okay, to hit these mid-range goals, what do we have to do? And that's where, you know, I talked to a client and it's always baffling to me when people come into me and they're like, hey, I just need a program to train for the race. And I'm like, okay, well, when is your race? And I give them a program. And then I hear like three months later, the, you know, as they're a week, two weeks out from their race, they're still doing the max strength program I gave to them. And I'm like, no, that was the program for that month, that time of the year. Once you got into racing, your focus needed to change. You needed to be doing power, agility, speed, quickness the month before the race. And then the month of the race, you needed to add in some more obstacle specificity. There is a set goal for each training phase to get you to race ready. Mm -hmm. You're not going to get race ready by just picking up and putting down heavy weights. No. You need to think smarter. You want to train for a specific purpose and know that what you do now is going to affect what you can do three months from now. The strength you build now, it might diminish slightly if you go into a power phase or obstacle specificity or whatever else. But because you're putting on more strength right now, strength with velocity is going to equal more power. So you, you can afford a little loss in strength because that's just natural. The higher you come in with strength threshold, the stronger you're going to be going into whatever race it is. Then you put on a little bit of speed, bam, you got power, you go into the race, you're much stronger, you're faster, you're more powerful, everything's working better. But if you're still only working strength when you should have been working strength three, four, five months ago, you're kind of screwing yourself over. Mm-hmm. So... Let's start thinking about training as legitimate sport training. You're not having your linebackers max squatting in season. No. They're going to pull back on that weight. They're going to change up their training programs to be more sport specific and to accompany what they need to be able to do out on their fields. That's how we should be thinking in obstacle course racing and triathlon training and any kind of anything we do. We want to accompany our sport. So we got to train smarter. Set plans, set goals, and train with a purpose. And that's why there are plenty of coaches in this industry now. Talk to them. And talk to you. Oh, I know. (laughs) <laughs> you talk to me. Sometimes you listen. Sometimes you don't. I know, and that's that's my. <laughs> and, and it's one of those things, like you even pointed out, like 
in my job, my whole job is about talking about being safe and how you have to plan to be safe and set a plan. And if something changes, you change that plan. And then when you're in the middle of the job, you're doing different things with the planning than when before you started. And I'm like, it all freaking makes sense for the training too. This Mm -hmm. is what I preach every day when I'm talking about things of how to deal with it, how to deal with changes, how to deal with this, how to deal with your, when you're in this area doing this. And I'm like, it's the exact same for training. I just, my problem is, is, you know, I run into one of those things where I'm like, I think I know what I should do. And then I just start doing it. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh wait, that probably wasn't the right thing to do. I mean, that's why I talked to you. As humans, we're all lazy. We're inherently lazy. And, you know, we're always looking for the shortcuts. We always want to conserve as much energy as we can. We want to make things less difficult. We want to stay in our comfort zones. And making a plan forces you to get outside of your comfort zone. Because you're like, okay, I know this is what I need to do. This is what I haven't been doing. This isn't comfortable for me anymore. Mm -hmm. But you got to do it. And it's why we plateau, why we hit a percent. Exactly. People, people always talk about like, I'm flat, I've been working out so much, but I'm stuck on this plateau. It's like, cause you're doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah. My client today, right after she's telling me she wants to run a hundred K and then rest and then go run the Disney marathon. She's like, do you think I can run OCRWC next year? And I said, honestly, right now, no, not with where you're at and where your motivation level is at. We need to put in a significant amount of work for you to be able to go and survive at OCRWC because there are so many people that go into OCRWC so unprepared and they go in with this mentality of, oh, well, I'm going to lose my band anyways. So they drop their band quick. They maybe try an obstacle once or twice and then they move along. And that's why obstacle completion percentages are so low. It's not because the training and the resources aren't out there. It's because people don't want to get outside of their comfort zone. They don't want to go seek out the races that are really going to challenge them, give them something new and start training in ways that is really going to help them. My client, she doesn't really dedicate a lot of time in our one-on-one sessions to strict training. She likes to talk. It's a therapy session for her. And we don't get as much work done as your average person would get done in an hour. And I ask her to do things on her own. And there's this, that, and every excuse you can think of why things aren't getting done. She plateaus a lot. So if some, if she comes to me and says, do you think I can run OCRWC? I'm going to be honest and say, you need to get your butt in gear if you want to run OCRWC. Because if I am sending an athlete to OCRWC, I'm not wanting to send an athlete who is going to deliberately give up their band the first time they face a challenge. The purpose of the sport is to overcome challenges, face your fears, and do ridiculously hard things and beat them. So I want you fighting for your band. But Mm -hmm. if you're struggling to swing across a monkey bar, I'm not going to send you to OCRWC. It's a great experience. Go try out the 5K. I encourage you. Go volunteer. Go experience the entire weekend. But I want my athletes to train really hard for the races they're going to run so they come in confident and can actually complete the tasks at hand. And I'd really like to see the completion percentages much higher at OCRWC 
and the difficulty level is not the issue because that yeah. difficulty level was perfect this year and so many people could have should have kept their band it was all confidence for a good portion of people i'm not going to say everybody but well, let's train harder and become more confident the, the problem we have right now a lot of times with our society is if something's too difficult the mindset isn't to train harder it's that they need to make it easier for me and okay. that's not the way it should be it's one of those things like a lot of people and this is one thing that I, i've tried to point out to people you know when they talk about like you know how i've lost all the weight before you know the last couple of years and done all this stuff and i'm doing so much more i'm like actually if you go back and look at my facebook i was doing the exact same amount of races i am now mm-hmm. the only difference was i wasn't doing anything between them mm-hmm and that's where a lot of people make the mistake. They're like, oh, you're doing all these races. It's so amazing. It's so inspiration. I'm like, but I'm 300 pounds mm -hmm. because I'm not doing anything between the races. I go out and I can do, I have the endurance. I did a marathon at 300 pounds, took me nine and a half hours, but I had the endurance to just keep moving. Is that inspirational? In a sense, sometimes yes. But what was really inspirational was two years later when I did the same marathon and, you know, five and a half, you know, or when I did a marathon in four hours and 39 minutes after doing one and nine and a half, because I trained in between the races mm -hmm. and that's where a lot of people miss it. And that's one of my problems I'm having now is when I did, like when I lost all the weight, I did a lot of cardio. I was running every day, doing a lot of cardio, pushing myself, everything else. But would that have worked at OCR worlds? No because I had no upper body. The first time I did a Spartan when I was 180 pounds, I could barely lift the Atlas ball, which to me was, I'm like, whoa, normally I could do this with no problem, lift it up, walk with it, don't even, not even like break a sweat or have a heavy, you know, heavy breathing. But when I lost all the weight, I lost a lot of the muscle to go with it because I went strict cardio. You know, and that's one of the things for me is it's one of those, I have a bad habit of once I get my mind on something, this is what I want to do. I train specifically for that in the way, like I said, an unorganized way that makes sense in my brain, but really is not helpful in any way. Mm -hmm. You know, I had my diet down and that's what saved me. I had to diet and I ran a lot. So I just had the cardio and the diet. But then when it came to anything else, I had no muscle besides my legs because i was running constantly you know i had the speed down i got down to my best i was running 26 27 minute 5ks and for me that's amazing but now it's like all of a sudden i'm a little bigger now i've got some more muscle so i can do the hanging obstacles again i still need to work on my grip strength it's not where it should be but part of that's because i pushed so hard this year like my left shoulder is it's not good i need to figure out what's going on with that shoulder and get it working again you know, and figure out, you know, what's going on, you know, and part of that's going to come with, you know, hopefully over the, you know, figuring out what I did to it and having a planned training program, a plan to get me to where I need to be. Like I said, my next race is Dallas. After Dallas, I'm probably not doing anything till maybe March. And after that, you know, it really is going to depend on where I am. And I'm still not sure. I'm almost thinking next year should probably... And it, I don't know, a little less of a year that I did this year, just to give my body 
what I gave it in 2020, where it wasn't push, push, jump, race after race after race. It was just a lot of cardio and doing a lot of my own type of training, but have a good, a few races in between. Like I do, I already, I'm already signed up for CSU next year, which is the 24 hour race, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah. then, you know, I'm already signed up for that because well, CSU is just so much fun, you know, but that's right now, that's my A race. That's the only race that I'm definitely doing next year. Um, more than likely, I'm probably do Ragnar and I'm definitely going to want to do more triathlons. I just don't know which one yet. A lot of that depends on where I'm at. So, mm-hmm. you know, if I'm in Texas, I may fly back up here to to beat Lake Wilderness just because that, that, that stupid Ironman drives me nuts. Or I may do Salem, which is in July. But most likely if I'm doing an Ironman, it's going to be July or August, September, somewhere in there. So it's a matter of really... I think stepping back from some of the OCR enough to give my body to get me into the condition to where I'm not. And I've said this before, even when I was big, I want to stop completing races. I want to start competing races. Mm -hmm. So you want quality of racing, not quantity. Yes. And that's where, that's where my brain is now. And I think the Ironman having that DNF again, kind of changed my brain on that where I have been for years, even like I said, 300 pounds. I finished, I did what, four trifecta or three trifectas every year for like three years at 300 pounds. Mm-hmm. You know, was I doing a lot of burpees? Sure. Was I failing a lot of obstacles I shouldn't have been? Yeah. You know, the last one I did at 300 pounds, I dislocated my shoulder four times in the oh. Because yes. I couldn't hold my own weight because I was so big. My left shoulder would just dislocate every time I put weight on it, you know, and that's kind of one of those things. Was I completing them? Yes. Was I competing? No. And that's what I think I want to do. Like you said, I want to be more quality and less quantity. And I so, think that's what my next year needs to be. So already listening to it, I know you just said that your 24 hour race is an A race. If you are running an Ironman in July, August, it sounds like this 24-hour race, which it's always the same weekend as Indian Mud Run. So that's in June. That's most likely should be IB race for you, where it can give you race planning strategies for during your Ironman. You know, it can give you some good opportunities to test out fueling, test out your running gear, whatever else. Because an Ironman, you could anticipate going you know, into the night and whatever else, depending on the distance. So it's going to give you that nighttime running experience. It's going to give you the grit and the mental fortitude for, you know, 24 hour racing if you need to. Yeah. So you can use it as a B race and that can build you into your triathlons, your Ironmans, whatever else. Yeah. And like I said, really the only reason why I say like a race at the moment, because right now that is literally the only one that is definitely on my schedule. Right. You know, there, there's no other right now. I mean, will I do some of the Spartans? Maybe, but I mean, it's kind of one of those things. I mean, I probably should, I'm an ambassador and whatever, but um. <laughs> you're sounding like literally every person now. Should I? Yeah, I probably should. I probably you should. Know, but it's one of my those... races, but yeah. And it's kind of one of those, I mean, I might do a couple, but I don't think it's going to be one of those, like, it's not going to become my focus. My focus is more on the triathlons and some of those other ones. I want it more of the the, the grip heavy push, you know, push my body obstacles. Can I lift heavy shit? Yes. 
I, I, I can. And right now in Spartan, that's one of the best things that, you know, some of the Atlas ball, some of the lifting heavy shit, I can do that. Mm. But that to me, where the, the real competition to me comes in is going to be the hang obstacles. Like, you know, not being able to, I should have been able to do funky monkey at top mutter. That's not a very technical, not a very hard hanging obstacle. It's pretty much monkey bars with a couple of spinning wheels. I should have been mm-hmm. able to get through that. And I failed. You know, I dropped yeah. into the water because I lost my momentum because I stopped on one of the swings when I shouldn't have. But if I trained more for stuff like that, I would have had the grip strength to get myself going again. And that's where I need to work on is that grip strength, you know, because that's where the other looking at a lot of the other OCRs that we don't get up here that I don't get a train on. But a lot of those are more grip heavy. And if I want to do and be compete and keep my band at any of those when I, you know, the ones where it's, you know, completion, I need to have that grip because if I don't have the grip, it doesn't matter how many times I try those. So this is where I preface and say, I love how everybody always just brushes it off and says it's grip strength, it's grip, it's grip, it's grip. Hanging obstacles isn't always just grip. It's momentum, swinging. So core stability, shoulder mobility, it is body awareness. It is, it's all just physics and kinesiology, but hanging obstacles doesn't necessarily mean you need more grip strength. It means that you need to improve your shoulder mobility to weak, to lessen how much you're gripping to allow your hips to do the work so your hands don't have to. Yeah, and that's what I mean. I mean, I don't do a lot. I mean, the only grip ones I really do and like hanging obstacles are Spartans where you're doing monkey bars, which I mean, even at 300 pounds, I could still do the monkey bars. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, a lot of that's just being able to reach and I have a short arm. So I've learned how to like hop, you know, a little farther to get the other ones. So, you know, that beater and a couple other ones. But other than that, there's not really many hanging obstacles. I mean, even Bender, it's pretty much you just have to use your arms for a couple of minutes and then swing your legs up. Yeah. No. And I mean, there's not a whole lot of swinging and hanging obstacles that happen in that. And then, like I said, I'm looking at some of the other ones, Savage, Epic, some of those other ones. There's a lot of hanging obstacles and without knowing how to do hanging obstacles that well you know because like i said monkey bars i can muscle my way through the monkey bars so let's get you to other obstacle course races i know that's let's set a plan and let's get you out to run a couple of them that's what i want to really test your abilities on innovative obstacles that you've never seen before and then from there you can revise your plan so you know what more you need to do to get to an even bigger goal. Mm-hmm. Step one is just going out and trying to see how you're at. I literally, I trained a client today. He is the person who runs the Dropkick Murphy's charity. So I told him I would come help out and, you know, help him get in shape. I'm going to help with a couple charity things. And um, we were talking And he's like, Megan, I just want to test out some things. I want an orientation today. I don't want to go hard. I put him into a trap bar. I, you know, I started him with fifties on the sides. Did it no problem. I kept putting weight on. He eventually got to 215. Looking great. He was feeling strong. He was repping him out. And he's like, this is awesome. It feels great. So then I go on and I show him how to do assisted pull-ups. And he's like, you're just throwing me into everything. Wow. Like, 
you, there is no easing you in for anything. I'm like, no, it's not that. It's I want to see how your body responds to the demands because everything we're doing is functional. Obstacle course racing is functional. We've been doing it since we were little kids. We just have to remind our body that it can do this. Yeah. So step one for me as a coach is I want to see how your body responds to these stimuli. So then from there, we can make little tweaks. So it starts to click more and more and more. So let's get you out, get on some new obstacles, see where your body is clicking and see what more we can do. So then it really resonates. And that's, yeah. I mean, that sounds amazing. And that's one of the big things is just getting there and figuring out what, what I can do, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the biggest problems is, you know, not knowing where the starting point is. Cause like I said, I mean, it's, you know, the, the few hanging obstacles I've had to do because up here we get, we get Spartan and we get Tough Mudder. That's it. You know, and we don't get any of the others. So it's like trying to get, you know, and that's one of the reasons that I'm looking forward to moving farther east is getting the chance to try some of those other ones and get out there and see what I can do. Cause I have no idea what I can do on those ones. I know what I can do on Spartan because I've done over 60 of them. Mm-hmm. And for the past, what, three years, it's been the same obstacles. So yep. I know what I can do on all those, you know, yep. which nothing gets Spartan's a great beginner race. And I'll be honest. And a lot of people don't see it that way, but it is from a lot of stuff I've seen from some of the others. It's a great beginner race. It is not the penultimate. I mean, the penultimate, I think is some of these other ones, OCR worlds, you know, stuff like that. Those are the ones you train you Spartans, what you do to practice, to build your way up to OCR worlds. But not even because Spartan's not going to give you the mandatory completion practice. It's not going to give you new innovation. It's not going to give you new grip holds. It's not going to give you lacheing or any of the other obstacles you'll ever see. But it can at least give you the basics in terms of heavy carrying, you know, lock off, swinging, whatever else. And I think it gets you into, you know, it gets you into the the, the idea of, you know, uh, doing you know obstacle course races but that's it it's just the idea of it yeah it sparks muscle memory that's it and that's it so it gets you into it it might be something as a good intro and it's something that's still fun i enjoy it to go hang out with friends and see friends that part i still enjoy but it's gotten to a point now where as far as you know besides competing if i get into like competing at it other than that it's like you know and not sound bad i'm in like the toughest age group swear to god all the good ones are at 40 to 49 but (laughs) (laughs) yes that is like yeah you got killian you got so many people in my age group so there's no way i'm competing there but you know it's which not to sound bad i mean i guess maybe if i trained hard enough i might be able to get to that point but it's one of those that you know that's not what i'm looking for i want to have fun but i also want to push myself and i've gotten to a point that i think to push myself i need to try some of those other ones i need to try the hanging obstacles i need to do that more so it's just you know and that's one thing to look at for you know the next the next year you know get done you know i've just come off a couple hard weekends i still need to like wean myself down get down to a point take a couple couple weeks to kind of you know whatever some downtime but you know my kind of downtime and then you know in october you know a month from now i've got dallas i'm just gonna like i think it said i think i'm just gonna do the beast because i think that's what my body needs right now just to get that one done that'll give me my three trifectas 
And then after that, it's pretty much, I don't have anything on the schedule probably until, and honestly, March is just because that's usually when I go either to San Antonio or Vegas and do a Spartan. But mm -hmm. at this point, I'm not even sure I want to do those ones. You know, it may be that this year I don't do a race until later in the year. Hey, that's when Battle of the Lions rescheduled that Oklahoma City race. What, till March? Yeah. And we might have to go to Oklahoma. Who knows? A lot of it, like I said, a lot of this comes down to depending on where I'm at in <laughs> You know, if everything goes the way it's supposed to and the way we planned it, I'll be buying a house and moving in March. Mm -hmm. so. Also, think about it. The final fit challenge is in April. So if you wanted a reason to uh, travel and come out east, it's the final fit challenge. And they're doing a 24-hour race. Which one's that one? Uh, Rob McCoy's race in Rhode Island. That might be an error. <coughs> My goal is to one day do, you know a race in all 50 states you know and earn it's really earn a medal it could be as simple as simple as a 5k at this point in all 50 states but just okay something in all 50 states I, it would be nice to do an ocr but it's really tough to find ocrs in like some of those random weird states in the middle because nobody wants to go there for any reason so well that's how i feel about oklahoma but here we are but here we are yes so well i mean if they put a good race there i'll go but i mean it's like you know they have to hold the race first yeah they do they do so <laughs> i'm Couple never gonna let them live that down i think i mentioned that every single time i talked to them this weekend I'm like hey yeah so about that oklahoma city race you canceled two days beforehand and it was my birthday I'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry yeah yikes well hopefully it actually happens so i know hopefully all right but we should cut this off we've been going oh we've been talking forever we have been, but I always love talking to you because we can talk about it and it's like two old friends talking. Mm -hmm. You, you, you could pretty much like tell me what I'm doing is completely stupid. And it doesn't bother me because you do it in a way that makes me be like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> but you know, that's how I want to talk to everybody when it comes to this sport, yeah. literally at OCRWC this weekend I was running and I was like leapfrogging with one of my friends throughout the course mm -hmm. and we got to over under and it's this stupid obstacle where you start on top of it and then it like has these pegs that you have it's just a v or a whatever yeah um, that you have to come underneath and get across to the other side and then you have to flip yourself back on top to finish out and she was having a lot of trouble and she struggled the 3k she struggled on the 15k came up on the 15k and i'm like hey everything okay i'm like do you want me to watch you do it um to just kind of coach you through and she's like no no go ahead so i went and i didn't and as i'm coming back around i'm literally calling out what i'm doing as i'm doing it for her and i said hey like try this 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 um like and she's like oh my gosh thank you so much like this is so great and it's like sh she came and caught me on the mount she's like honestly I would have been stuck there all day you did not have to help me you did not have to tell me some hacks to get through that like I'm your competition we're in the same age group and she's like you are a lifesaver right now what why would you do that and I said I honestly I'm just out here having a good time I would much rather see everybody succeed get over new obstacles they haven't beaten before or just continue to do something new. And I want to just help people. I told my friend that I trained today, 
I don't need to accept money from you. I know, you know, you're low income, you volunteer for a living for Dropkick Murphys and all these other charities. Like, I'm not going to charge you. I just want to see people continue to get better, continue to get healthier. And if there's a way that I can encourage more people to jump into the sport, to do more strength training, to do more lifting, whatever else, I want to be that person. And Mm -hmm. I want to help any way I can. So I never want to shame anybody. I never want to, you know, try to be elitist or talk down to them about everything. I want to put everything I'm talking about into a, a way that resonates with you or with whoever I'm talking to, because if you don't understand it, you're never going to learn from it. Yeah, which is awesome. And, and that's one of the reasons I love talking to you. And you know, I'm glad we do this segment, you know, all the time with the two of us talking, because that's the way it should be. Yeah. And it's just fun. It is. And, and it's one of those things. I think too many people worry so much about hurting someone's feelings. I'm one of those ones. Hey, man, tell me, t- tell me straight. Yeah. Whole punches. Tell me, you know, tell me what it is. It's like, you know, you tell me all the time. It's like, hey, we've talked about this. Why are you still being an idiot? Yeah. So, you know, do it, you know, stop just randomly doing stuff. It's like, you need a schedule. Yes, I do. I need a schedule. You yeah. Know? You know, and to get my, you know, my training down right. I, I'm, you know, not to sound, I'm going to be 45 years old this year, you know got a few months i'm not there yet but almost but <laughs> don't need to I, rush it yet don't need to rush it i'm not at 45 yet but I, it's close you know it's, i've got like two months but <laughs> at the same time i'm not i'm not 20 year olds anymore i'm not going to come back from an injury as quick as i have you know did in my 20s but because i didn't pay attention much in my 20s i have injuries now that i have to deal with constantly you know it's like my knees it's like when i hit my knee everyone's like oh wasn't that your good knee i'm like I don't know if I'd say good. It's the better of the two, but neither one of them's really good, you know? And that's the one thing, you know, that as you get older, it's like, that's what I got to think about. And that's why I'm thinking more next year. I want quality over quantity. Cause I think the quantity is where I'm having a problem is pushing myself so hard to do, you know, like Seattle trifecta. And then a week later I'm doing Hawaii, you know, and I'm like, oh, why did I have so many problems in Hawaii? Oh, I don't know. Maybe because I haven't recovered from last weekend yet, dumbass. You mm-hmm. know, and that's kind of, you know, and I know that's what you're thinking in your head. And I'm thinking the same thing. But, you know, it's like you haven't recovered from last weekend. You just, you know, you didn't train to do back to back trifectas. Mm-hmm. But here you are, because I've had this mental thing in my head that if I push hard enough, I can push my body through anything. Yeah, which I can. I have that mental grit to push my body through anything. But then the problem I have is I have to deal with the aftermath. Yeah. And then At I'm like, what point is, is it too hurt? much? Yeah. And then you're spending more time recovering than you would have just mm-hmm. for what? Earning a new medal or whatever else. Pretty like much. the risk reward doesn't always pay out. And especially when you're in an ultra scene or whatever else, like we push ourselves to stupid stupid limits and then we're just so beaten and broken that we can't recover to the same extent and then we're trying to go into the next thing still nursing aches and pains from the last thing yeah and I think that's why it's good like right now I have the month with nothing where I had you know (coughs) I mean over the summer it was weekend (coughs) weekend after weekend it was just race after race Mm -hmm. after race to a point where it's like I haven't recovered from the one I did three weeks ago Yep. And now I'm doing another one, you know, I did Sisu and then what it was like two weeks later, I was doing Ragnar, I think I had one break, like maybe a weekend break in between. 
and yeah. then oh no i didn't even have a break because i did sisu and then i think i did i did a triathlon the next weekend and then did ragnar so mm -hmm. three big events right in a row, row and it was an olympic triathlon so it wasn't even a small one it wasn't a sprint so i pushed like you know you know three big events one weekend right after another you know ragnar is another one where i did a whole a lot of miles no sleep and everything else and then i'm like why am i wrecked at the end of july i'm like oh yeah i did you know between june and july i think i did three triathlons ragnar and sisu and then i'm like why do i feel like i've been hit by a truck at the end of july oh maybe it's because i haven't given myself any breaks yep you know and that's one of the things that I, I definitely need to work on is that planning in you know planning and training correctly and that's yep. what i need to work really hard on and that's my goal this year from Good. now i'm gonna hold you to that cool and if i'm not doing it you have every right to tell me what a dumbass i'm being so okay and I, I will. Know, i know you will so <laughs> well i'm not gonna listen too well because i do have a race this coming week but it's just a dog obstacle course race. So oh, it's well. Boulder Dash, Doggy Dash. So it's actually just a fun little two-mile run with oh, my dog good. as he climbs under cargo nets and through tires and chickens out going over, you know, any kind of real anything. I but wish my dog fun. could do that. My dog's, he, he hates people, so. But. Oh, my dog, he's, my dog's just like me. He's like an outgoing introvert. He doesn't really necessarily need to, be around people but if you make friends with him he loves you forever yeah yeah my dog's like 12 and hates everybody so my dog's 11 and a half so i'm just cherishing every obstacle course race i get to run with him which is amazing yeah our puppies they're crazy yeah. mm -hmm. they are all right well i'm gonna let you go and we will we will definitely talk again soon yes yes i will talk to you soon all right bye. See you later. bye thanks for listening to the beast net podcast if you haven't done it yet, find us on Facebook. Like and share the podcast. Give us a review on iTunes or Spotify. All these things will help to expand the show in the future. Don't forget to subscribe and let us know what you think and what you'd like to hear. Yeah.